Hey, good morning again. Um, there's this phenomenon uh, that happens. It really doesn't matter the number of people. It doesn't matter how old the people are. Uh, with, with very few exceptions, there's this phenomenon where if it, you put a, a group of people together, that eventually they're going to segregate themselves into, into men and women. Right, so you have a whole bunch of it happens. You know, we we'll have you know the staff over, we we'll have our small group over, whatever. It always ends up all the guys end up over here together, and all the women up in a beer together. It's a phenomenon that I like to call a junior high dance. <laughs> right, so it it just, it just ultimately ends up where the things things get segregated, and you know, and I have a series of lame jokes that I recycle, and one of you know I'll be sitting there with a guy, and you know, his wife's across the room is like, dude. I think she wants you to ask her out, right? And so we'll just make this little joke, but it just kind of happens. And I, and I wonder what that is, right? Yeah, so I, I, wonder, I wonder if that, the reason that we do that is, is, is kind of that, that that moment was so, so triggering and it was so impactful that we just naturally feel like in large social circumstances that, that, we, have to, that we have to separate. And if, and if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, the, the idea is that you go to these these dances for junior high, and they don't, they, don't, they don't come with boyfriends or girlfriends. They don't come with dates. They just all show up. And what happens is you, you end up with a, with, a, with a line of guys on one wall and a line of girls on the other wall staring at each other, and then in the middle, no one's dancing. And, and, and so it's a dance, but no one dances. And so on, on the one hand, you've got guys over here trying to talk each other into, come on, dude, come on. You can do it. I think she, I think she'll ask you out. And on the other end, you got you got the the, the the giggling and the and the you know and the I wonder if he'll come over and you know you're you're a junior high boy and everything that you you dream about and 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 you want is it, it it's 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 within reach, right? I I, I there's this girl and she smells nice and I'll have my arms around her and maybe she'll kiss me and and everything just like would just all just be so amazing and 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 it's one you know one one like walk away just like like just a few steps but yet you're you're you're, you're overwhelmed by fear and and you stay on the wall even though everything that you want is right over there and, and it could be just so amazing fear keeps me on the wall if, if what you want's over there, why do you, why do you stay over here? It's like, well, I, because it could go real bad. I, 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 could, I, could, I could walk over there and, and I ask her out and she rejects me in a horrible way and then all her friends laugh and then it's the walk of shame all the way back across the gym and maybe I've got like two bros who are like willing to comfort me but then, then these guys, they're just going to laugh. And now here I am, I'm, I'm completely and totally humiliated. So I don't want to do that, I'm just going to stay on the wall. Meanwhile, some other guys over the go and they have success and now they're dancing and they're living the life that I wish that I was living, but, but it's still scary and I'm just, going to, I'm just going to stay on the wall. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're married now, maybe you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and, and maybe this is not true in your your social life anymore maybe dating is not something you have to worry about right now but i still think there's a huge part of us that lives junior high dance and 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 the way that we just approach life in general the person that god wants me to be the life that he wants me to live the kinds of relationships that he wants me to have the way that he wants me to love people the way that he wants me to serve people the, the 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 life 
this impact that I know that I'm supposed to make a difference. It's on the walls. You walk in the lobby there. I'm going to be a world changer. God's going to use me to make a difference. It's right there if I'll just start taking these steps towards other people and giving to them what God has given me and to love and invest in them in some way. And, and, and God would show up and do this awesome thing and all these great things would happen. But what if it goes bad? I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay on this wall. And so the question is, what keeps you on the wall? What is it when, when God offers a rich and full life of having a real impact in the lives of other people? He offers us the opportunity. What keeps us on the wall? What, what, what is it that we're afraid of? So we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45. So Jesus has spent you know, a few days here just ministering to large crowds of people. And as very recently, he has um, uh, performed a miracle where he feeds thousands of people. I don't know how many of you are familiar with this story, but you know, he's got a, a very small amount, like enough, like enough food for like one kid to have lunch. And he, and he has this small amount of bread, and he just begins to break it into pieces. And he just keeps breaking it into pieces, and ultimately is able to feed thousands of people from a very small amount of bread. So this has just happened, and we've had this... Um, We've had this, um, this incredible full day of ministry, and, and, and now Jesus is planning on him and his disciples going to another town. And so we find us here, that's where we find us in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45. And immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. So he's going to hang around with the, with, the, with the crowd, shake hands a little bit, tell everybody to go ahead and go. Why don't you guys go ahead and get in this boat and head across the lake, and, and, and we'll meet up in Bethsaida. And, and so they do that, verse 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray, which, which to me, I, I'm totally on board with that. What a, what a great idea, right? You've, you've, be, you've been with people all day, and, 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 they've been, and, and been, you've, been, you've been trying to love and serve, and you know that if you hang out with these guys, they're just going to have you 100 questions about, about the bread and, and, and how all that worked, and, and he, he just needed a minute of privacy with God. And so you guys go on ahead, and I'm just going to stay here. And so he goes up and just by himself, and he just goes and connects with God for a little bit. Verse 47. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because, all, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, the, the feeding of everybody. They, had, for they, had, they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So they sent him out, and so then now they're, they're, most of these guys are very experienced fishermen, and they've been out on the lake a lot, and they've seen a lot of things. And whatever's happening to them with, with the wind and everything, it's obviously very stressful because they're experienced, they're, they're experienced at this, but at the same time, they're, they're struggling. And so then Jesus starts walking towards them on the water, and they freak out. And, and here's the thing. I, I grew up going to church a lot, and you would hear these kind of these same stories on repeat 
every year in Sunday school class. And it seemed to me a lot of these stories about Jesus and his disciples, it seemed like that the point of the story was, aren't the disciples dumb? Jesus is awesome. Don't be dumb like a disciple. Right? That was just like the point, right? And it's like, you read it, it's like, oh, they were afraid. It was Jesus. How dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't be afraid of Jesus. Right? And, and so it's like, and so and you come back to these stories as an adult. I'm like, this totally makes sense. Right? You're an experienced fisherman, and if, and, if, and if the wind is serious enough where you're struggling, this is a serious thing. And so it, it is reasonable to be very scared at this point because you're struggling here with your oars. And in the middle of this where you think, maybe I'm about to die, what happens? A human figure starts walking on water towards you. Let's just be clear for a second. What are your options? What, what are, what, in, in the realm of realistic possibilities, what is this about to be? It says, you know, they were amazed because they didn't understand about the bread. Eh, I don't care about the bread. I don't care how many people you feed with bread. That doesn't mean you have ghost powers. And, and they're scared. I mean, Grim Reaper, I guess, is an option, right? Ghost, that's the most reasonable one. If you were on the lake and a person starts walking towards you, and on the water, you're thinking, is ghost. Ghost is the most reasonable thing. Well, I would know it was Jesus. Stop it. I mean, just stop. Just stop. 2,000 years later, and you've heard the story a whole bunch of times, and there's another one that talks about it, and Peter comes out. Like, of course it's Jesus. Silly disciples. No. They should be scared, and I think we're giving them too hard of a time if, 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 if we say that it is unreasonable for them to be afraid. It is, in fact, very reasonable for them to be afraid. But we do give them a hard time, and in fact, it would seem that the, the, the storyteller is giving them a hard time, and ultimately, God is giving them a hard time as he's the one that inspired the story. I mean, it describes them, it describes them as, as having hard hearts, that this, that this demonstrates, this story demonstrates that their hearts weren't right. That even though they were in a situation that had a very reasonable, it was very reasonable for them to be afraid. Here's the thing I like to suggest, is that even though the fear was reasonable, it wasn't necessary. There were things that they were overlooking about a situation in which it would be very reasonable to be afraid. There's parts of the situation that they're overlooking, that if their hearts were a little bit different, the fear was unnecessary. Though on the one hand, it seems very justified. There are some things about it. They, didn't, they did not have to be afraid. And so for us, the question that we need to ask, and so here they are, they've been called by Jesus. Jesus tells them, hey, you're my disciples, and here's what I need you to go do. And even though they're following the very call of Jesus onto their life for in that moment, doing exactly what Jesus told them to do in that moment, in a moment they were very afraid. And so the question for us, because you know, Jesus has called us to some things. He's called us to make this real impact in the lives of people, to love deeper and well and more intentionally than probably any of us are doing. He's calling us to do this. This is what He's called us to do. So the question is, when Jesus calls us, and we know it's Jesus who's called us, when Jesus calls us, what makes us afraid? Why are we still afraid? If it's, the, if it's Jesus that has told us to do this, He is the one that has called us, and this is what I want you to do, why in that moment would we ever be afraid? 
And there's some reasons why they were afraid, and there's some reasons why we're afraid too. And I think if we'll look at this passage just a little bit deeper, we'll be able to see some reasons why they were afraid that even again, I want to acknowledge that it's reasonable. It was unnecessary. And the first one is this. When Jesus calls us what makes us afraid, the first thing is this, is that we forget. We, we forget this Jesus that sent us. We, we forget it was Jesus. I mean, at the very, the very, this whole story, verse 45, starts with that. It says, Jesus made his disciples do this. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. Go, go do this. And so this Jesus who told them to do this is a good, he's good, and is, and is always out for their good, and, and wants the best for them, and loves them. And he says, you get on this boat, and I'll meet you at Bethsaida on the other side. And in the moment, in the journey, as the journey began to get rough, as it, as it had obstacles that they weren't expecting, as things happened to them, they began to question the whole thing because they forget who it was that sent them in the first place. A good God had sent them. A good God who wants their best, who had made a promise to them that I'm going to meet you on the other side. And they forget about this. Again, it, if they, had, if, if they had remembered, hey, this was Jesus. Because what happens often is that God will put you in situations. God will put you in situations that are difficult. God will put you into situations that have a lot of challenge to them. Even things that would normally make you be very afraid. But if we can remember the one who called me, the one who brought me here, then I can overcome all the fear and the anxiety and, and all the obstacles. I'm going to tell a completely unrelatable story. You just try to figure out a way to um, turn it into your own context. Okay? Okay. So the thing that happens, you know, being, being a pastor, and as long as I have, one of the most terrifying things that can happen for a pastor is the very first Sunday. The very first Sunday, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. They don't really know who you are, even if you've interviewed there and spent some time with them. They don't know who you are. They, they want to be excited that the new guy is coming, but they're also a little bit nervous. And so eight years ago, it was eight years ago that, um, that our family moved here and, and started pastoring the Grove Church. And, um, and, and the church had been through some difficult times, and so they were, the, the congregation, the few of you, there's a few of you that were, that were there that day. Uh, the, the congregation was pretty demoralized and, and frustrated, just kind of just down in general. So it was, it, was a, it was a tough crowd to begin with, right? And there's just also just the awkwardness, really, the junior high dance this other, you know, you kind of come like, hey, you want to dance? Like, mm-mm, right? And, and, and so I'm up there, so I'm trying to think, what are some things that we can do to kind of lighten this and make it good? And my wife had this idea. She had this idea. And um, so the church is called The Grove. People who go to The Grove call they're called Grovers. I got this gray Super Grover t-shirt. Like, I'm in charge now, I'm a Super Grover, right? And, and so I'm up there, and you can just tell, you see on their face, who's the idiot with the Sesame Street t-shirt? And, 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 and I'm trying to be funny. Like, you guys are laughing now, and it's great. And it, and it fuels the thing. It makes the sermon better. So good for you. And, 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 and I'm telling you, there, I, 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 thought I, was, I didn't get more funny in the last eight years. It was the crowd. And I'm, I'm saying things, and it's, just, and it's just not going well. And meanwhile, you don't know this, this is a different building. It, it, it didn't have adequate AC. It was really hot in there. And, and I'm wearing a gray T-shirt. And... Um, you don't know, may not know this, but I'm a pro- prolific uh, sweater. And so I'm up here in a Sesame Street t-shirt talking to people who don't want me there and who aren't laughing, 
and it's not going well, and I just got this just gray band of sweat going right here. Which, 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 which is why it's always now. Um, always, always the undershirt. Always the undershirt, right? Um, it wasn't good. Boy, it just wasn't good. And, and I wouldn't say it got much better. And the, the first year was bad. I mean, just a lot of heartache, a lot of frustration, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of confusion, just a lot of different agendas, and, and it just, it was hard. And, and you think it's not supposed to be like this, right? It's, you know, this is the, you're doing the thing that, that God called you to do. It's not supposed to be hard, but it is hard. It was scary. Like ghost on the water kind of scary. It's like, I mean, you've, you bring your whole family to a place, and it's just not going well. And it's hard. I mean, what are you thinking? Well, the only thing to think, well, this is Jesus. Jesus is the one that brought us here. And so I'm not going to be afraid. I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm going to push through this because I know that a good God has brought me here. And a good God is ultimately going to do good in me and through me if, if I persevere. And so the, the idea that, that God has called you is not to mitigate the fact that it's not, uh, it's, it's, well, it's not going to be hard. It's not going to be scary. It's not going to go poorly at times. But I can trust in a good God's call on my life. And so if he says that the way that I'm supposed to live and be and interact with people is this way, and I'm supposed to love this way and, and make a difference in people's this way, then this is who I'm going to be. And I have to remember the whole time through the ups and the downs that it is a good God that has called me. And so that's one of the reasons why it makes us afraid is that we forget this good Jesus has sent us. And this one is, is similar to it, but it's a little bit different. But it's like, so we forget who the Jesus sent us, but then we also we forget who he is. We, we forget who he is. When we're talking about Jesus, we're not talking about some disinterested third party. We're not talking about someone who's got some good ideas, but doesn't really know what's going to happen. You know, saying, hey, you know what you should do? You should go over there and do that. You should go over there and talk to those people. You should go over there. You should start a Bible study with your friends at work. And then he kind of goes, I wonder how it's going to go. Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, that's terrible. Mm. Ooh, I didn't see that coming. Oh, mm, mm. sorry, dude. Uh, I- I'll try to do better next time. Verse 51, it says, They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. They didn't really understand who it was that they were following. Jesus, good guy, decent guy, a good teacher. But they hadn't quite put it all together. It isn't just that this guy can do a miracle with bread. This is the God of the universe. With all the authority and all of the power and all of the knowledge, and if he has called us to go from this side of the lake to that side of the lake, and he said, I'll meet you at the other side of that lake. Now, I don't know what's going to happen between here and here, but I know I'm going to meet him on the other side of the lake. Because God doesn't get surprised about things. He has, he has the power. He has the knowledge. He has the ability. We already talked about it. He has the heart. What he says he's going to do, he's going to do. And, and if he truly is with me, I don't have anything to be afraid of, even if scary things happen. I don't have to be afraid. 
In the, um, in the summer of 1995, uh, my wife and I, we had been married a year when we were asked to lead a group of students to spend the summer in, in Kharkov, Ukraine. It was a city about the size of Dallas. The, the, the former Soviet Union had just kind of disbanded and was now open to kind of to missionaries, and so we were leading this, college, this group of college students to do a mission trip there. And a couple interesting things about, about our time there is that um, first, like the very first week we were there, there was this huge rainstorm. You wouldn't have, if you'd been in it, you'd have thought, this is a big rainstorm. But you wouldn't have thought, like this was life-changing. It was just a big storm. But what happened in that big storm is, you know, the infrastructure in the old Soviet Union was not great. What happened is one of the, the, the sewage pipes broke, and, and all of that began to spill into the reservoir of drinking water. Right, so all the water that was coming into uh, homes everywhere, all throughout this city, this, a city the size of Dallas, was now infected with fill-in-the-blank disease. You just imagine a disease. Just imagine any disease right now that could possibly be in water, and I, in that it was in that, in that water. The, the list was insane, and so then they just shut off the water, That's, which is the smart call. But again, you're in a city the size of Dallas, and now there's no water. There's there's no water anywhere, right? Which is it's just interesting. It makes makes Cleaning yourself an issue, eating an issue, flushing toilets. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all problematic. And, um, but in the meantime, at the same time, uh, there was an openness to hearing about Jesus that I'd never seen anywhere else. There was a spiritual hunger, and, and hundreds of people were responding positively and wanting to follow Jesus for the first time. And so, so it didn't even really seem to matter it didn't really seem to matter that this circumstance was, was terrible and awful. And finally, people were complaining so much about it that they decided that once a week to different parts of the city, they would turn on the water and you, like, you could fill up a bathtub or whatever and, and use that water. Again, the disease-ridden water. And there was this whole process that we would go through to try to make it as minimally diseased as possible. Obviously, you would, you, would never, you would never drink the water, but there's other things you can do with water. And so you're drinking a lot of bottled water and, and, and sodas and these kinds of things. So I, I, I tell all that story to kind of lead you to this. I'm with this guy. His name's Sergey. He was my translator, and we'd spent a lot of hours together just building this relationship. I'm talking to him about Christ. I've got him to come to this Bible study that I'm leading. We're building this great relationship, and he's seeing God do all these cool things as we're talking to these people. We're building this great relationship. So we're, we're in the downtown. We're downtown, and, and, there, and there's this lemonade stand, and, and, and what the lemonade stand is there, it look, kind of looks more like a, like a soda dispenser. It's kind of like, a, like a, one of these deals, right? And um, he says, hey, can I buy you a lemonade? Now, we had seen these things before, so I knew exactly what the situation was. So you, you, when you get to the front of the line, there's a, there's a glass that everyone uses. One glass. Everybody who's been in front of you line uses the same glass. But you clean it first. And by clean it, I mean you would take it, and you would turn it upside down on this one thing, and you would press down, and it would shoot water into the glass. I didn't say soap. I didn't say hot water. Just water. And we, do we remember? I mean, it was, it was just a minute ago. Remember what I said about the water, right? That water ain't nothing making nothing clean. And then, you know, and then you put it over here, and it pours lemonade in there. Where do I get the water for the lemonade? Right? So now, now, now I've got a decision to make. Do I re- refuse this guy's gesture to want to? I mean, again, there's a huge income gap between me and him, even at 22 years old. Do I refuse the gesture? 
Do I also then tell this guy that I'm building this relationship with that I, I, that that lemonade might be good enough for you, but I'm just a little too precious? Now, when I told my wife about this later, she was she wasn't happy, and I told her about it first service. I told the story again first service. She's still a little triggered by it. Um, <laughs> and I swear to you, this is the thought that I had. I don't think God brought me all the way here to Ukraine for me to die of cholera lemonade. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I have a lemonade. Psh, psh. That didn't die. I think even if I'm going to die, man, don't they, they, they might write mission books about those kinds of people, right? <laughs> but I had seen God work so powerfully for such a long period of time There was just a situation of like, scary cholera lemonade didn't seem that scary in that moment. In hindsight, it's a dumb story. Don't drink that lemonade. But in that moment, it wasn't scary at all. It will be fine. Because the the, the power of God and the hand of God that I had seen so consistently over so many weeks, it would only make sense that in this moment, drinking this lemonade would be fine. So in that moment, I remembered. I remembered the equivalent of the loaves. I didn't see him do the loaves, but I did see him do a lot of things. And that God's going to I'm going to be fine with this lemonade. So what makes us afraid when he calls us? We forget. We forget that it's a good God. It's Jesus, the good Jesus who wants our best. We forget that he's the one that sent us. We forget who He is and the incredible power and knowledge that He has, that, that, that all of the resources that God has is what Jesus has, and those are available for us. And then finally this, when, when Jesus calls, one of the things that makes us afraid is, is that we don't expect Him to show up, which is, which is crazy. It, 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 it's crazy because Jesus had said to them, He said, you go over here and I'm... I'll, I'll meet you there. He, he didn't say how he was going to get there. There wasn't another boat. I don't know if he was going to walk around. He didn't say how he was going to get there. He just said, I'm going to get there. And so then he showed up. He showed up at the moment they needed him, just as he said he was going to do, but he did it in such a weird... They were surprised by it. They were amazed. Like, what? Jesus? They weren't expecting him. They thought they were on their own. And when God showed up, just like God said He would show up, they were surprised by it. And so God says, yeah, I want you to do this awesome thing. I want you to change the world. I want, you, I want you to love these people. I want you to make this difference in this group of people who are hurting. I want you to go to these people who are, who are lost and need Jesus and talk to them. People who have been, been cast out by society. I want you to love them and bring them up. I want you to make a difference in this world. And when you do, I'm going to show up. And it's going to be amazing. And then you think, I can't do that. Because then I'll be by myself. I just, I just said... I just said I would show up. Ah, oh, but I'll be by myself. It'll be, it'll be scary. And they were scared and, and, and were stunned. It says they were amazed when Jesus showed up. For they had not understood who he was. Their hearts were hardened. They, they, didn't, they didn't get it with their brain. 
and their, and their hearts, they're, they're just blocked off. And so fear then is really the only response. So a few years back, Layla was two, so it's probably been about five years now. Um, we took a family trip to Tulsa, and uh, we were having breakfast at this McDonald's that was nearby. Having breakfast at, the, at, 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 the, at this McDonald's, and we're about to leave, and I go to the bathroom, and as I'm walking from the bathroom to our booth, there's a dude in a booth right here, and he says, excuse me, sir, can I ask you a quick question? And in my mind, this is kind of who I am. I've kind of, I've kind of, we were talking about this last night. There's two Charlies. There's talk in front of 100 people, 200 people, talking silly jokes. And then there's, and then there's what, why are you asking me a question, right? This is kind of, so in that moment, I was just like, I'm with my family. We're about to leave. Why, why are you talking to me? I'm just kind of, I kind of got this, this thing going. And, and, and it looked, I'm trying to assess the situation as quickly as I can. And I'm thinking, he's probably about to ask me for directions. And I don't know Tulsa, so I can get the good person point by talking to him. But it's going to be real brief because I don't know the answer to his question. And so I'm like, okay. And so I say, sure. And um, he says, well, can you sit down? I'm like, oh, okay. So I sit down. And so now I'm trying to have this conversation with this dude while a two-year-old, two booths behind me is going, Dad, you're sitting at the wrong table. Dad, wrong table, which was, which was difficult, right? So I'm sitting there, and this guy has a bus ticket on the table. And he says, he begins to tell the story about, about, about his drug use and how he'd been betrayed by a lot of people and how his life was hopeless and that a friend in Colorado had given him this bus ticket. He was going to meet him there. He was going to check himself into rehab and he was going to start this new life. He says, but this is my life and all of this here. And, and, and what do you think I should do? And I'm telling you, I'm not wearing some shirt that says pastor on it. And so, coincidentally, this dude asked me for help. And so I'm talking to him and you know, trying to help him evaluate the decision. And I'm saying, dude, you've got to actually have a bigger problem than this. There's a, there's, a, there, there's a part of your life that's not going to be solved by a location, whether you're in Oklahoma or Colorado. And I began to talk to him about Jesus and about forgiveness, and about life that you can have with God. Again, with a toddler screaming behind me, Dad, you're at the wrong booth. When I left, he he was planning on getting on the bus. When I left, he was planning on... um, He was wanting to give his life to Jesus. But it didn't surprise me. As weird as the story is, it didn't surprise me that this random person, coincidentally, in this major life crisis, happened to be at a McDonald's that we were never planning on being at, and a strange set of circumstances, a thing that ended us up there in the first place. It was, it was very strange and unusual, but God showed up. Now, I had no way of getting back a hold of this guy. I have no idea, really, what's happened in his life in the five years since then. But here's the thing that I believe, because of the thing that I believe about God. I believe that 50 years from now, when, when he and I do get to meet again, it's going to be an incredible story about how the God of the universe turned his life upside down. That's what I believe, because that's what God does. But God only does that 
when we get off of the wall. And too many of us, we think that we don't have stories like this. Well, Bob Goff, man, he's just kind of got that personality and he's an, he's an author and things like that happen. Well, you're a pastor and things like that happen to pastors, to those kinds of people. They don't happen to normal people like me. And I'm telling you, the only reason that it doesn't happen to you is because you're staying on the wall. So as we move into a time of response, let's just pray. Let's pray that we will be the kind of people that get off the wall and do the things that God has called us to do. So then we'll all have our set of stories about how God did incredible things in our life through very small steps. So let's do that as we worship. There's prayer candles and communion available in the back, praying at the cross. Let's just pray that God will help us overcome fear and overwhelm us with incredible opportunities to show the world that love does. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for... Um, God, I thank you that there is. we live in a world um, where we have this incredible opportunity. God, and I, and I just pray that we will be men and women with hearts to make a difference. That we would overcome all the fear that keeps us from saying yes to the things that you've called us to. That we would know who you are. God, that you are good. That you are powerful. And that God, that we would expect you to show up and that you would. And God, I do pray that, that, that years from now, this room and these people in this room would just be filled with life-changing stories where you did something amazing in us and through us. And we love you, God. And it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.